Hello! Welcome to another story about the Peters family. The name of this week's story is The Prolific Pride of the Peters. As always, we've included a line from a hymn or a hymn title within the story. If you recognize it, send your answer to whimsywins at gmail.com. If yours is the first correct answer we receive, we will send you a prize. Last week, we didn't have a winner. So come on! What are you waiting for? If you recognize it, send your answer. And since this is Memorial Day weekend, some of our family members are out of town. So the Lord willing, we'll return on June 13th with a new story. In the meantime, you can go back and listen to other stories on our podcast. One of my all-time favorites is Penelope Peters Tells a Lie. There are two versions. They're the same story, but we updated it to a faster pace. And I really, really like Penelope Peters Gets Lost in the Woods. So go back and listen to the stories again or for the first time. Now let's get to this week's story, The Prolific Pride of the Peters. It was Monday morning. Pearson had just awakened. He rubbed his eyes slowly and groggily, pulling himself out of bed. He wasn't too motivated to get up and start his schooling. But suddenly, his mental light bulb clicked on and shone brightly. No more school. This was the first day of summer vacation. He suddenly felt light as air and knew that he had all day to do whatever in the world he wanted to do. That was a slight exaggeration, however. He couldn't do whatever he pleased, but he did feel a distinct feeling of freedom. He needed to first make his bed, read his Bible, and do his prayer journal. And then, the day was his. Mama Peters, Penelope, and Pearson were doing a Bible reading plan together, and every day at the breakfast table, Mama Peters would have a discussion with them about what they had read. Today's reading came from 1 Chronicles 19, 20, 21, and John 8. To read through the Bible in a year, one must average around four chapters a day. Mama Peters had a system. She would quiz Penelope and Pearson from the reading, and the more questions they could answer, the more points they would earn, which were star stickers, and the stars could be converted into ice cream sundaes. It was a great system, and so far, by God's grace, Penelope and Pearson had been reading faithfully every day. What stood out about that morning's reading were two different narratives. First, David wanted to take a census of the people of Israel. Pearson knew that a census means to count the people. David shouldn't have done that, and he knew it. And in fact, Joab, David's commander of the army, warned him not to do it. But that didn't stop him. He didn't listen to his advisors, and because of his pride, he wanted to know just how many people he ruled in the kingdom. God, through the prophet Gad, brought calamity on David, and there were consequences for acting in pride. The second thing that really stood out to Pearson in the reading that morning was how Jesus addressed the Pharisees in John 8. He called them liars. Pearson thought about how interesting and harsh this seemed, and he thought about how Todd used to lie all the time, and no matter how many times he wanted to, he wasn't just supposed to blurt out, You're a liar, Todd! But there was a difference. Todd didn't claim to be a believer at the time that he was lying, and he wasn't a Pharisee trying to lead other people away from God. He thought about the time that Todd claimed he could do some pretty wicked tricks on his scooter. He bragged about it to Finn and Pearson and Daddy Peters even, and Daddy Peters had gently explained that he shouldn't lie, but that he should tell the truth. Pearson recalled Daddy Peters' gentleness and knew that Jesus reserved his gentleness for those who were humble in heart and not attempting to lead people away from Christ. Todd had not been seeking to lead others away, but his desire to glorify himself and bring attention to himself was the source of his pride, which led to his lying. So, in his wisdom, 
Daddy Peters recognized the need to be gentle with Todd, even as he admonished him not to lie. That morning, though, as Pearson read his Bible, he realized how powerful the wrath of God is as it manifests itself against the pride of man. After David took the senses, God disciplined him. And likewise, he didn't withhold scolding the Pharisees with strong speech. He called them out. Reading those passages prompted Pearson to pray about his own points of pride, and he earnestly prayed that the Lord would help him walk in humility. And as soon as he dotted his I's and crossed his T's, he slammed his Bible and prayer journal shut, threw on his blue basketball jersey and khaki shorts, pulled on his sneakers, and ran downstairs to breakfast. Mama Peters was dicing cantaloupe, while Penelope was plating the bacon and eggs. The mouth-watering aroma of the smoky pork wafted throughout the house. Patience and Priscilla were at the table in their booster seats, eating their toasted cereal. Mama Peters made it a practice to have hymns playing softly in the background to start off each day, and today's selection was all the way my Savior leads me. Hey, good morning, Pearson, Mama Peters called out to Pearson as he walked across the floor for a hug. Good morning, Mama Peters. I wasn't asleep. I was reading my Bible. Boy, God sure did kill a lot of people with the plague on Jerusalem just because David took a census. But there was a reason for that, Pearson. The census was just a symptom of David's great pride. His counting of his people was like saying, Look at me, everyone. I'm so great, and I've made my kingdom huge. I'm awesome, and to show you how awesome I am, I'm going to count my people. It was his heart of pride, exalting himself and not listening to others that brought on the punishment. Well, yeah, I, I was thinking that, Mama Peters, and I, and I was thinking about how Jesus is, wasn't, wasn't, he wasn't really easy on the Pharisees either. He called them liars to their faces. That's crazy. No question that Jesus was blunt with the Pharisees. He had to be. He wanted those who were influenced by the Pharisees to understand that they were liars. And by calling them out, people understood who they really were. Jesus knew the hearts of the Pharisees and those listening to them, and he knew that they were just making disciples who were going to lead more and more people away from God. The Pharisees just loved wearing their religious garb and parading in front of the people. They thought they were better than everyone else. Their pride was enormous, too. That's for sure, Mama Peters. Pearson agreed. Anyway, let's sit down and eat. And Piers, because you're so late to join us this morning, and Penelope has already been busy, I'm going to put you in charge of the breakfast dishes by yourself. Okay, Mama Peters, no problem. Well, Piers, I loved your joyful response. Could your happy heart have anything to do with the fact that this is the first day of summer vacation? Mama Peters winked at her son. Well, I am trying to get better about having happy responses to chores I don't love. But also, yes, Mama Peters, I am super stoked about summer vacay. And Todd's coming over today, right? That's right. He's coming over so that Mrs. Hicks can take the twins to the doctor. It'll be a pretty long appointment because Bear has to get a number of tests done. So Todd should be here pretty soon, the Lord willing, and he'll spend most of the day with us. All right, Pearson responded. After giving thanks for the food, everyone downed the eggs and bacon faster than Priscilla and Patience could say boo, and Pearson was at the sink, rinsing and loading the dishes in the dishwasher. Mama Peters, may we go down to the pond and fish for crawdads once Todd gets here? Pearson asked. That sounds like a plan, but I'd like you guys to play with the twins for a bit first so I can get the laundry done, Mama Peters replied. It wasn't much longer before the doorbell rang in typical Todd-like fashion. Almost everything Todd did was with exuberance. Pearson sprinted to open the door. There stood Mrs. Hicks, 
who looked more tired than usual. She was holding onto a car seat in one hand, and Todd, who had taken a break from ringing the doorbell, was holding another car seat in one hand. Good morning, everyone, Mrs. Hicks greeted the family, a smile on her haggard face. Good morning, Mrs. Hicks. Good morning, Todd. After the greetings, Mama Peters ushered them through the door and noted silently to herself how tired Mrs. Hicks looked. Penelope could tell because Mama Peters quickly darted into the kitchen and returned with a travel cup of coffee and a granola bar. Here, Maggie, you must be so tired. You're only a couple of months out from birth and you have so much on your plate. Here, take this coffee and energy bar. And when you come back, I plan to have dinner ready and you guys can eat it here with us or take it home with you. And no arguments, Mama Peters sweetly insisted. Oh, Mama Peters, I don't even have the strength to argue. You're right, I am pretty tired. The Lord is sustaining us, but I'm praying that Bear will start being able to be bottle-fed soon. The doctor apprised us that Down syndrome babies often have trouble sucking, and we found that to be true with Bear. But they're hoping today, after a few tests, that we can start bottle-feeding him. And I know it's just a season for this exhaustion. And I'm praying and hoping that Ruth will start sleeping better. You wouldn't know it by looking at the cute bundle of joy. But she does not like her beauty sleep. Oh, Maggie, I understand. I've not had a Down syndrome baby. And I don't want this to be discouraging news. So I'll put it this way. The Lord willing, you'll have a restful first birthday with him. Yep, I remember, Mama Peters. Todd gave us a run for our money the first year. I know God will give us grace, though. I do look forward to getting some better sleep when they're about a year. After seeing Mrs. Hicks off, Mama Peters announced the plan. Okay, you guys can go play with the twins for a while in the other room. And when I'm finished with the rest of the laundry, you can head down to the pond to fish for crawdads. Yo! No prob, Mama P. Priscilla and Patience are easy to babysit. I can't wait till Ruthie and Baby Bear are able to play with me like Pris and Pache. I'm sure that'll happen soon enough, Todd. They'll be playing circles around you, Mama Peters chuckled. <laughs> well, that's what Dad says, and I know it's true, and I just can't wait. It's going to be great. Hey, did you notice my poem there? I just can't wait. It'll be great. Todd cackled with his usual laugh. <laughs> All five kids were soon involved in building a racetrack. Patience and Priscilla walked back and forth with pieces of track and handed them to Pearson so he, Penelope, and Todd could put them in place. The joint effort took a long time. As they built track throughout the family room, circling back and making the route as circuitous as the pieces would allow. Finally, a long and winding track of flexible plastic was laid, ready for race cars to fly across it to the finish line. The finish line was a throw pillow at the bottom of a long incline. The track was made up of two racing lanes parallel to each other so that the kids could easily race against each other two cars at a time. But before the races began, the kids picked their racers out of a big box of cast metal cars. Okay, so here's what we gotta do. We gotta totally give pick up the litter to Pris and Pache. Am I right? Todd asked. I agree. They're the youngest, so let's let them choose their racers first, Pearson said as Penelope nodded in agreement. Dudettes, it's up to you. Choose up. Todd was nearly shouting, his enthusiasm bubbling over as usual. Patience and Priscilla toddled over and inspected the cars. There were at least 35 cars from which to choose. One of everyone's favorites was a white sports car with red racing stripes and black tires with white walls. Todd, Pearson, and Penelope watched as the twins both spotted the object of their desire at the same time. Patience reached out her pudgy arm to grab the car, 
just before Priscilla grabbed it. Immediately, the twin girls were locked in a tug of war. Mine! Mine! No! They each yelled in their toddler garble, and their yelling and even shrieking grew more frantic. Todd began raising his voice. Hey, take it easy there, dudettes! Dudettes! Hey, you gotta chill! Let's figure this out! Dudettes! But Patience and Priscilla paid Todd no mind. Next up was Penelope, who gave it a go. Patience! Priscilla! Stop fighting, girls! Priscilla, stop! Patience had it first! Stop! Patience had it first! The girls listened to Penelope briefly and gave their shrieking a rest. But they were still crying. Patience, however, had taken up Penelope's refrain. Patience had it first, she kept repeating, speaking of herself in the third person. When Priscilla's scream grew louder and her face redder, Patience took one of her chubby hands and smacked her twin on her hand as she tried to extricate the car from Priscilla's grip. Patience, do not hit. You cannot hit people. Hearson had to raise his voice to be heard above the caterwauling. Well, that did it. Mama Peters rushed in from the kitchen, soap suds bubbling on her hands. What is going on in here? Patience immediately ran to Mama Peters, hoping to plead her case, but it was only understandable to Mama Peters. Penelope stepped into the fray to explain. Mama Peters, they were supposed to pick out a race car, and, sh- and, and Patience chose the red, red, red stripe one first, but they're both super fighting over it. But Patience had it first. Penelope was speaking so quickly that she too was hard to understand. Todd decided to give it a try. Yeah, and then little dudette, she got pretty livid, and she smacks Priscilla on the head. Their fireworks were pretty exciting, kind of like the 4th of July. His explanation wasn't overly helpful, but he did bring some lightheartedness to the stressful situation. Okay, now, let me get this straight. First of all, Pearson, Penelope, and Todd, prior claim, like one having it first, is only one of the evidences we use to resolve an argument. Mama Peters was measured in her tone. Patience having it first is only one of the factors when making our judgment. We don't just say, and I want you to listen intently to this, oh, you had it first, so it's yours. We recognize the principle of theft and property rights, but we are looking at the heart here. Here some Penelope and Todd stood silently listening to Mama Peters' exhortation. Mama Peters continued, Now, Patience and Priscilla, you both reach for a card that you both love. And though Patience may have grabbed the car first, it was just by a fraction of time and without regard for the other, though I suspect that you both knew the other wanted that car. Patience, did you know Priscilla wanted that car? Patience somberly answered, Yes, ma'am. And Priscilla, how about you? Did you know that Patience wanted that car? Just as quietly as Patience had answered, Priscilla answered in kind, Yes, ma'am. Well, then the Bible says to do to others as you would have them do to you. I understand that you may not understand everything that Mama Peters is telling you, but it is my responsibility to train you up in the ways of God. And here's one other verse that I really love in Romans 12:10: Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Patience, Priscilla. Perhaps the best thing would have been to offer the car to one another And if you still couldn't decide who would get it, then you could take turns racing the car. But both of you chose to disregard the desires of the other. And Philippians 2 tells us that we need to think more highly of the other 
than we do ourselves. You didn't do that. Moreover, after taking matters into your own hands, literally, by tugging at the car and screaming at one another, patience, you hit Priscilla. Ladies, I think we need to go upstairs for some discipline. Mama Peters wasn't bluffing either. She immediately escorted the twins to their bedroom. Uh-oh. Think the Twinkies are in a little bit of trouble. But hey, in the meantime, let's snag our winners, Todd suggested. And that's what they did. Pearson, Penelope, and Todd gave careful consideration to their choice of cars. After all, they all wanted to win, so they took their time to find what they thought might be the winning car. Pearson chose a sleek black car with purple lightning bolts on the sides. Penelope chose her favorite, a hot pink car with jet black tires and white walls. And Todd chose the bright red car with the number six in black on the hood. All right, dude, and do that. Let's bust this race, Todd blurted out as they raced against each other. After Pearson's fourth consecutive loss to Todd and Penelope, he'd had enough. He tossed his car in disgust. I don't want to play anymore. Bro, don't be that way. You've got to keep trying, Todd admonished Pearson. Nah, I don't want to. You guys aren't playing fair. What? Are you serious, Pierce? What's not fair about how we're playing? Penelope asked in an injured tone. You want to know how you're not playing fair, Pen? Well, let me tell you. You both keep cheating by starting off early on the stop. From the, I mean, from the from the starting line. In his anger, Pearson's words were getting tangled up. Bro, not cool. I haven't started early even once. Todd protested. And and I was watching your races, and I didn't see you or Nellie start early. I'm thinking you're being a sore loser. Whoa. Hey, Todd, I'm not playing if you're going to call me a loser. Pearson wasn't having it. Dude, I'm not calling you a loser. I am just saying <sighs> that you lost. Todd was doing his utmost to maintain a calm demeanor. Oh, good grief, Pearson. You know Todd wasn't calling you a loser. He was saying you lost. Don't look now. But I think someone's pride is rearing its ugly head, Penelope said angrily. Pearson looked first at Todd and then at Penelope. His angry heart was bubbling over. He was about to yell, Todd is a rude dude and Penn is a squawking hen. He would call them names in a rhyme. But suddenly, it was as though a hammer banged on his heart. He felt a thud and his thoughts assailed him. Oh, it wasn't audible. But he felt the nudging of the Holy Spirit as though he were saying, Pearson, do you remember the pride you read about in your Bible this morning? God's wrath is reserved for those who do not humble themselves. First Peter 5, 6 leapt into his consciousness. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Pearson knew that the Holy Spirit was convicting him to stop immediately and turn from his sin, but he didn't want to. But as much as he wanted to fight it, he knew God hates pride. He hated the pride of the Pharisees. He hated the pride of David. His mind was moving at a mile a minute as he thought about trying to save face and not have to apologize. Maybe he could just say, I wasn't really serious. I didn't think you really cheated. Or maybe he could offer up, guys, don't overreact. It's not a big deal who wins. Or maybe he could even say, I don't care if I win anyway. But as fast as those thoughts tried to take control of his mind, he knew he couldn't say any of them. Certainly, he didn't want to apologize. Because saying, I'm sorry I was angry and proud that I lost, I was rude to each one of you, forgive me please, might be a sign of weakness, and he didn't want to show weakness. But in a flash, he pictured Jesus, the God of the universe, who had humbled himself to the point of death, hanging on that cross. So he took a giant gulp. 
and though it felt like he had swallowed a balloon, he slowly began to speak. You guys, totally wrong. I hate losing, but you were playing fair and square, and I falsely accused both of you of cheating, and that was a lie. I didn't honor the Lord with my mouth or you guys at all. Please forgive me for being a bum. I am a sinner in need of grace. Pearson gaped at them, trying to stay as humble as possible as he awaited their responses. Part of him didn't even want to hear, I forgive you, because that would mean they knew he had been wrong. But as he stood waiting, he said a quick prayer, asking the Lord for strength to obey and to be humble. I forgive you, bro, Todd immediately answered, holding out his fist for a bump. Pearson bumped him heartily and then turned to Penelope. And I forgive you, Pierce. Penelope hugged her brother, whose softened heart suddenly overflowed with gratitude. In his obedience, God had changed his heart. He knew he had been wrong, but he knew that God had empowered him to obey. With all of that out of the way, Mama Peters and the twins, who were now a lot happier, walked back into the room. What's going on here? Mama Peters asked. Oh, Mama Peters, I think I had a tantrum worse than the twins, Pearson confessed. <laughs> no, bro. Todd was laughing as he spoke. It wasn't worse, and it was a whole lot shorter. Well, thank the Lord for that, Mama Peters answered. Totally, Mama Peters. Praise the Lord. I'm so thankful that I read about pride this morning and what God thinks of it. I'm thankful, too, that he forgave me for being a rotten sport. Bro, that's rocking to hear. But just so you know, bro, I prayed I'd beat you and Nellie. So let's get back at this thing. Todd cackled his all-too-familiar cackle. <laughs> then, with his hand cupped over his mouth, Todd began making race car sounds. <laughs> well, poor Todd, Pearson said laughingly. I sure hope you're not a sore loser when my purple lightning bolt car leaves your number six in the dust. Now let's get on this race, because you're going down, bro. This is Grandmom's Corner. If you're competitive like I am, you'll know how hard it is to lose. Unfortunately, there have been many times over the years that I've been a big old baby and a poor sport, which stems from my pride of wanting to win. My youngest daughter recently shared how when she and my youngest son were little kids and would play games together in the backyard, and it looked as though he would win, she would just up and quit. She refused to play anymore. That was robbing my son of the joy he would have had from winning and a terrible way to behave. Now there's nothing wrong with wanting to win. Why play if you don't want to win? But when it becomes all about winning, then it's a hard issue. Most everything is, isn't it? Instead of being happy for the winner and congratulating them, we pout and we're a bad loser. Romans 12:15 says that we're to rejoice with those who rejoice and be sad with those who are sad. In other words, be happy for those who are happy. Whoever beat you and won is most likely happy about it. So swallow your pride and tell them that they did a good job. And sometimes we're so competitive and want to win so badly that we cheat. The same daughter also reminded me of the time that she cheated playing Boggle. Have you ever played that game? It's super fun. The object of the game is to find as many words as possible from the scrambled letter tiles in three minutes. Well, my daughter, who was very young at the time, cheated, and she copied my words exactly, as though I wouldn't even know. As she's noted since that time, that wasn't exactly a smart thing to do. She was found out, very easily, obviously, and she got in big trouble. 
Proverbs 10.9 says, whoever walks in integrity, and that's a character trait, being honest, walks securely, but he who makes his way crooked will be found out. Though your cheating may not be discovered on earth, God sees everything. Don't forget that. The Lord willing, we'll be back in two weeks on June 13th with a new story about the Peters family. Bye for now.